1: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily
1: podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. This is the HJ Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined today by James Haskell, the former England and Wasps flanker. He was on very good form. He's got a Fine autobiography, out, hasn't he, Andy?
3: He has. It's very entertaining. And because I've been away for a while and you've been away, we had plenty to talk about. So there are three sections with us.
1: Yeah, quite a lot of us whittering on about <laughs> various things. Turning off. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, don't bother. No, honestly, have a listen. You're here now. You might as well. You've downloaded it. What you got to lose? <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good
3: afternoon. Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And before I talk about uh, the weekend's football in Chelsea in particular, uh, because I know people are contacting me and dying to hear my thoughts. Mm, I don't know why. I mean, I think think the equaliser sort of slightly took the edge (laughs) off it. I think it did, really. Really, Uh, Do you know that Max and
1: Charlie played uh, a montage of your your finest rants? last week apparently I no. didn't realise oh, yeah. well, I see. Okay. and they put they put together some of your finest work and uh, <laughs> yeah it went down a storm apparently
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant isn't it well, I'll start with this story though: a fox tangled in goal nets at a football club's training ground had to be rescued by the RSPCA yeah uh animal collection officer matt hawkins li- lifted the critter <laughs> to safety at league one club at charlton athletic yeah and i just can't believe that the fox wasn't on jim's show he's so obsessed with charlton <laughs> <laughs> well
1: i told you andy i've had previous to this because uh, in our goal nets in the in, well we had a goal net in the garden when my kids were very young mm. we had two foxes uh, at it basically really? and they got caught in the goal net uh, while in that uh, amorous situation, as Glenn would probably call it. <laughs> oh, I see. But, um, so it was a double whammy. And it was getting, neither of them could get out. Oh, dear. And uh, I was getting to the stage where I thought the RSPCA might be cool. They were... <laughs> Uh, I wasn't sure what was ecstasy, ecstasy pain or discomfort, but anyway. It's, it is hard to tell with the Fox. So, um, anyway, they managed to work themselves free, but I was, I was actually on the phone at the RSPCS and they're stuck in the net, they can't get out. So, it's, so I think it's quite a common occurrence, yeah, really. that's good.
3: Well, it's happened twice. Well, <laughs> That makes it common, it I don't does, know. It does happen. Um, yeah, it was interesting on Saturday, because my notes are instructive when I write it down. And the first thing I wrote down, you sit down and you've no idea what you're going to get. Yeah. I couldn't have written a better, more true sentence before the game started. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. well, I knew we were going to get a horrible third kit. You almost deserve to lose when you wear that kit. Yeah, I like, think you do, yeah. You yeah. do? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I think people people are hoping you do. It's yeah.
1: it's quite horrible, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. oh, it Dave Kidd described it there as a blancmange. It's got that kind of, that look about it, isn't it? It starts off, it, it's like a melted palace it's just shirt,
3: just disgusted. Isn't it? Yeah. Disgusted. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it looks like custard. You're, you're disgusting. You're very close. But, you know, it was just... Bounty, and of course, it was one of those afternoons. It was just unbelievable. It's fascinating to read about Marcus Alonso going off and sulking in the coach, and not being happy with the manager. Wow. Yeah, he only gave away two goals, just a two. I admit he wasn't responsible for the third one. Honestly, it is, it is incredible. But we're going to talk about this later. I've noticed though that the teams that played long into the sort of European season, that played about two to three weeks after the season, the lockdown season finished, yeah, are a really struggling. City. Chelsea, United, Wolves, you wouldn't expect Wolves to go to West Ham and lose 4-0, you wouldn't, no disrespect to West Ham, Bayern, PSG didn't make a good start, they've had no pre-season and a shorter rest and it is a disadvantage and of course for Liverpool it's perfect, I mean they're so brilliant aren't they, we we'll talked to Henry about it, they were—they still miles better than anybody else, so mm. I mean, it's obvious. But Arsenal made a good fist Yeah, I it. thought Arsenal, I was impressed with Arsenal, I think they've, they've looked good and... Uh, Look, it could easily have been two-two. Lacazette should have scored. Where would no you stand on
1: the Mane um, red card?
3: Uh, why was he? Why would it be a red card? Oh Did you, no!
1: You didn't think the no, elbow going no. up? it has been a bit of conjecture, oh, hasn't God, it? Really. No,
3: I didn't even think about it. Mate, he doesn't you don't do himself any
1: favours because he looks at the man, he looks at, at Tierney, and, and he raises the arm. He it wasn't a great. Had he got challenge. it, he would, have, he would have been unlucky. But uh, still, it, it I didn't, didn't think
3: it was a red. Personally, but you know, I suppose you guys. The always...
1: arm was high, and he, yeah. he made a beeline for the player as opposed yeah, to the ball true. when the ball was on the right. So I think they, I think the phrase is you've seen them given. Oh no, you have seen them given. Yeah, and uh, talking of Liverpool, said, I
3: love this. Letter. It's not a
1: phrase you could use for the Eric Dyer hand ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, and there wouldn't be anybody who watched the Eric Dyer hand ball and said. Well, I've seen them given because
3: you've never seen those given. It's the, well, well, it's been said it's the worst decision you've ever seen, and yeah. it just I'm, I'm amazed they're still saying it would be a penalty, although the other one wouldn't be. You know, he's he's not even looking. It's, it's
1: I know I've got something for the listeners, Andy, yeah. uh, today, and it involves um, it involves Matt Doherty, the Tottenham defender. Yeah, um, he. He's done that thing that you know. Very few professional footballers, as time goes on, will ever experience because he had a job in real life uh, <laughs> before he became a professional footballer. Yes. Or he certainly d- d- did something with it his gives dad. Gives you a bit of ground, real doesn't job. It? Yeah, I think it does. Mm. He, he spent two years working for his dad in a carpet cleaning business. Uh, did Matt? Hmm. And he said, he said, I, I, I at Spurs the other day at, one, at the club, or was it the training mm. ground? He said, I, I looked down and thought there's a stain there. I could get that out. <laughs>
0: so it's great isn't it Though
1: Any if there's any stainage on any of the carpets at the club or the training ground they have they can call Matt Doherty can't there. they that's useful it's like we always said about if the floodlights went and Stuart Pierce or Phil yeah, Brown true. was there yeah. you've got a qualified spark haven't you it's on hand you could go in and sort it out it's a good but idea. it did remind me that of um, do you remember the old Alan Partridge the very early Alan Partridge where Patrick Marble was playing a, a kind of Gary Oldman style uh, local lad made good British Cockney lad who went off the Hollywood and and made Mm. a fortune, but he'd previously worked in uh, photocopy uh, repairs. He'd worked on photocopiers, Mm. and so Alan, of course brings one out and asks him uh, to diagnose the problem with the Pear Tree Productions photocopier and he does he thinks oh I don't do that anymore but I think it might be the feed He's so um, anyway you want to tell us your, your previous job maybe you had a, a, a job which you've kind of your, the job you stopped doing suddenly popped up again and you had to leap to the rescue if you've got tales of that um, along with uh, Matt dot com forward slash H&J. You can text to 81089
3: or you can tweet to TSH&J. <laughs> Here's a good one. Towering football star Peter mm-hmm. Crouch has revealed that his four kids are also super tall. That's a surprise, isn't it? <laughs> Two very tall people have got tall children. Who <laughs> well, would have yeah. thought it? There brilliant. we are. It's so, uh, what, what oh, yeah, I was about to read, on, read this man. letter. Yeah, this fascinates me, this. Lincoln City put in a memorable performance against Liverpool and never gave up, scoring two excellent goals. They could have had more. They're an example to all the so-called superstars that money doesn't always bring quality. you are you talking about? They lost 7-2. Of course it brings quality. <laughs> seven goals worth of quality You, but it brilliant, <laughs> well, these
1: people. Um, I bet you're glad you wrote that letter now. <laughs> the Hawksby and
2: Jacobs daily podcast... From Talksport.
1: Former England uh, flanker James Haskell has uh, written his autobiography. It's called What a Flanker. Very, very entertaining. Good title. As we said earlier, on quite a few of the stories we can't bring you, sadly, at this time of the day. But uh, we're very pleased to say that uh, James joins us now. Hi, James.
2: How are you both? You all right? Yeah, we're yeah, good. good Thank
1: you. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. The uh, as I said, there's there's a, f- a few stories sadly we can't pass on. Uh,
2: uh, pre- well, maybe, well, maybe you should do that. Maybe you should do that. Break break the mould and cheer everyone up. As <laughs> yeah, long yeah, uh, home. Uh, well, uh, raise a few eyebrows. Well, I think we could. <laughs> I, I could ask end you in, our careers. Thank I you. could <laughs> ask you in detail, of
1: course, because <laughs> uh, I say that the book has got a very powerful opening involving a very powerful opening. So we yes. but we can't go in any more detail than that. You'll have to read no. the book. But
2: well, you uh, could say that it was involved the boat trip. It, it that. well,
1: that's yeah that's not really given.
2: At, at, at a party trick, you yeah, can say
1: that. Somebody did a oh, handstand yeah, but then we
2: Yeah, someone made a bottle of beer disappear. Like that's magic, but not <laughs> yeah, you it. I think
1: we are probably reaching the limits. But um, <laughs> it, it's I interesting. You've built a panic in your voice <laughs> there like, "Oh, you address it in the book." I mean, are rugby players the worst you've come across for this uh, behavior, more than any other people in other sports, or do you think is it a sports-wide thing?
2: No, I think it's a man-wide thing. <laughs> I think, you know, show, show me a group of men and I'll show you a group of idiots who have too much to drink and, and, and uh, you know, lose any perspective. I think, look, um, I think the sports teams in particular, you know, you're, you're consistently told you know what to eat, how to eat, uh, you know, you give up every weekend, you give up every holiday. I mean, and listen, before people write in or tweet in, I understand that, you know, we're enumerated well because never forget um, – was it Rio Ferdinand who, who tweeted on Christmas Day, "Think of us footballers, you know, where you're all enjoying your Christmas turkey," yeah. and almost got, <laughs> I got hounded to the edge of his edge of his existence because people were pointing out he was paid 100 grand a week, so he should probably quiet him down. I'm not, I'm not saying that we have it t- uh, tough in that aspect, but when you have these kind of real intense bouts of discipline, when you do get an opportunity to let your hair down, it's normally a group of sort of 40 lads who haven't had a drink for a period of time, and and you know things can run away from you, but it's all done. Look. You know, it all depends. You know, in 2020, everybody's offended. Changed my mind, so there'll be no doubt a load of people who say that ex-public school idiots, you know, overindulging. But I laughed every day for 18 and a half. Half uh, seasons, which you know a lot of people don't get to laugh that in a week, let alone uh, every day. You know? Yeah, you, you you talk
1: about the the importance of these team bonding sessions, and as a young player breaking into the Wasps team, there's the line that you say you you doing you did what you have to do to be accepted, and there was some of the senior pros had, had roped you into things, you know, sort of dirty pints and all that sort of stuff. But that was that was part of the kind of rites of passage as a young player getting into the squad.
2: Yeah, but you know what it is, if you look at it from a psychological point of view, if you break it down, what's going on? It's just, it's it's down to you know, can you be called upon, you know, to to, to be trusted? Will you will you do what's necessary to, to be to be in the you know in the team? Obviously, that has to be backed up by discipline, training, ethic, work ethic, and actually showing up on the on the field. You know, I was never forced to to drink, and when I was captain, I never forced people to drink. You know, what, what I would force people to do was make sure they turned up and and played a part. You know, I have a former teammate at Northampton who, without fail, every time there was a team social you know his wife would bizarrely get a, a migraine or he'd forgot they'd booked him to go for a weekend away he avoided every single team social so much so that the take the, t- the team socials almost happened in spite of him just and the whole topic of the conversation was why he didn't turn up and i think that just doesn't breed you know breed trust or whatever so i think you know for me it, it was very hard being a 17 year old just come we're still at school. And, and mixing with the likes of Lawrence Delalio and, and Simon Shaw and Alex King and Joe Worsley, all these kind of heroes of the game. And and obviously I didn't drink then. I didn't drink at all um, for, for a number of years. But obviously I wanted to be part of it. You want to be accepted uh, and you want them to talk to you at the very least. So that's what I mean by about buying into socials and buying into to, to that kind of thing, because it's, in life there's politics in every every area. You've got to show willing and you've got to show endeavour, you know.
3: Has it changed from the amateur days? Are these hijinks are kind of left over from then? Or is it? Um,
2: I I would say that it's people still let their hair and have fun. Unfortunately, uh, everybody's now a paparazzi yeah. uh, with their own camera phones, uh, and you know we delight. We have a society that delights in snitching on other people. I mean, it was int- It's interesting. Obviously, now the government's even advocated snitching on your neighbour. Um, but you know, we sort of live in a world where we digest media at a rate or not that sells out someone. People anonymous source said a close. Someone's close to the party said, and it's always. Someone selling someone out for for, for money so it, you have to be very careful now what you do and what you don't do I mean the opening chapter I, don't panic I'm not going to go into it but <laughs> you know, we, we end up going on we ended up going on a, on, a, on a boat trip purely because we wanted to take the the social from the mainland onto a boat I mean what's the worst that can happen on a stag do boat because the whole prep the whole premise was is that you know if you get drunk 30 drunk lads in a pub you know there's a few well-known faces this is gonna uh, you know this is gonna overflow I mean you saw I'm not advocating what um, the two English footballers did. Uh, you know, I think they're, they're the Muppets doing what they did on, uh, on England duty and expecting anything to happen. But it's interesting that you know, they were sold out faster than you know, got, you know, God knows what by the media, by the people, by the girls involved. It's just very interesting we sort of get involved. In that. So sports people, because we are, um, whether we want to be or not, are um, role models. Yeah. You, know, you just have to be very careful because you want to let your hair down because you know, most people live for the weekend. You know, your, your people who work a nine to five job, they can't wait to go to the pub Friday night, Saturday night, you know, Sunday, Sunday off and they go around again. Sports people don't have that. We sort of have these sort of binge drinking blowouts if they if they ever happen. And stuff still does happen. But I think they're much more thought out, you know, and much more organised as opposed to the old school court sessions where you're locked in a locked in a changing room and the last man standing. You know?
1: You mentioned the England plaza and there's a story in, in the book where I think, it was it on lion's duty when your roommate asked you to vacate because he's decided to entertain oh, yeah. in the room. So that <laughs> yeah. was probably quite
2: common, wasn't it? <laughs> well, but again, you know, in this, in this world we live in now, you know, it's a very brave man to do that because mm. I think, uh, you know, that, that stitch up city that if you, if you have people back to your room, but no, my, my, one of my roommates was prolific in that department uh, and obviously i'm 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 happily married and wherever i go uh, you know i sort of managed to get myself into trouble by default so when he asked me to could i have the room i did say to him, listen i'm i'm about to play the hurricanes tomorrow you know this isn't really my ideal preparation he was like come on come on you know it's it's, it's for the good of the room so i had to sit out in the corridor while you know while oh, well, whatever sake. went on went on and then i then i uh, and then i came That's you know, bleak. Then i came back in and watched um, watched a bit of dave dashi fell on Netflix and went to bed and then
1: played the next day <laughs> brilliant now the pranking as well there's some great pranking stories uh, uh, Andy Goodcase and he joins us in the studio for a bit of a chat and uh, he bought his wife a pair of shoes and um, was fool enough to leave them unattended but for, probably for about two minutes apparently what happened next yeah.
2: Well, so, so, so uh, first of all, uh, Goody's obviously, um, you know, a uh, hero of a bloke. You know, he uh, he he divides opinions a bit like me in that in that respect. But he, you know, he is uh, a man who loves a bit uh, loves a bit of chat. And he he left a pair of these. Uh, he bought his wife a beautiful pair of shoes, um, and uh, he left them in, in the box. And I basically thought, well, this is too good to be true. So I swapped <laughs> the shoes out for a pair of size twelve muddy uh, <laughs> muddy boots. Right. I wrapped the lovely tissue paper over it, put the box back in. Anyway. Goody comes skipping back in, uh, you No, know, takes the clothes. Sorry, l- yeah, see you later, lads. Big, big birthday treat tomorrow with the missus. Anyway, left. And I thought nothing more about it until probably about eight o'clock in the morning, the WhatsApp blows up. You know, which one of you effing lads has done this, has done this? Has, you know, has, has, um, has, you know has, has, has my wife has opened these boxes of what should have been a pair of Bhutan shoes to discover a pair of size 12 <laughs> muddy Adidas, you know, uh, if, if these aren't returned to the club immediately, I'm calling the police. This is theft, right? Because <laughs> because you never know with Goody where he's true or not. I thought, oh God! So I had to drive in to the. What I done is all I done is, is I never took the shoes out of the room. I just put them in the bottom of his locker because he never looked. So I had to basically drive into to back into Wasp when we were in Acton back in the day. Go into the change room, fish these Labuton shoes out, go round, and basically what I had to drive around. She she worked at a, a club in in, in a. a um, members club in london i had to basically drive round, knock on the door reception in, in this nice plastic bag and say listen could you leave these for for mrs Goo, please i'm uh, i don't tell her who'd left them uh has been a bit of an oversight anyway thought nothing more of it until hour later whatsapp blows up again good only got the cctv footage off the members club and there's muggins <laughs> lumbering along with a pair of boots um you know, looking like a, looking like a muppet so uh, luckily, he, he did see the funny side eventually, but it was a bit of touch and go whether I was going to be arrested for theft. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off bluenile.com code listen a lot can happen in the next 3 years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: The Hawkesby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport.
1: We're chatting to James Haskell, his autobiography, What a Flanker, is out and um, we've been telling you some of the war stories in there which are very entertaining and uh, you will very much enjoy but plenty of good rugby chat in there as well and uh, nice piece on the cover from uh, Eddie Jones, hilarious mm. and straight talking but also articulate and insightful, I'm hugely fond of this guy and the feeling's mutual James, isn't it? You say in the book that in terms of England coaches you felt he was the best you worked under.
2: Yeah, I think Eddie was probably the best coach I worked with full stop. Um, I think, you know, he, he has the real ability to understand the difference between all the importance of task focus and people focus, you know, and really gets the best out of his players. And um, I think that's through years and years of getting it right sometimes, getting it wrong sometimes, and always endeavouring to, to improve yourself. And uh, for me, he made the England environment an aspirational one, one that you look forward to going in and being part of. Um, and he surrounded himself with the best coaches, physios and medical to, to, to make it uh, to make it successful
1: he, He's he got a fairly prickly relationship with a lot of the media and you write about your relationship with the rugby media as a player and you make some good points about the pundits as well, a bit, a bit of a feeling in your eyes, maybe this is true of other pros, that a lot of the guys that, that work on TV maybe and in media commenting on what's going on they're a bit out of touch, they've not played the game for such a long time, you, you don't feel in some ways they're they're kind of qualified to pass comment on the game as it is now
2: Yeah, I I just think that, you know, rugby is, uh, we we promote a lot from within. Uh, There's a lot of old heads in rugby, which I think holds it back. I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of old guys involved in in, in the sport Um, and especially on TV. You know, the coverage sometimes is quite dry and stayed and kind of, of, you know, the same old faces who were legends of the game. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, uh, what's the difference between a fan who watches every single game and one of those people? (laughs) Well, I mean, they're just watching from the outside looking in, and I think you know they don't necessarily have the relationship with the players. And I'm not saying that you you know. I mean, I've been out of the game well over a year and a half now, um, and you know, I, I've lost touch in terms of of um, you know what's going on. But I know I know a lot of the current players. I have a relationship with them. You know, I, I can I can understand a lot of a lot of journalism is sometimes looking you know on the outside through a frosted window and guessing what's going on. And I just think that. We could probably do a little bit better to keep the game entertaining and light, and you know, and make it more accessible. Lots of people think rugby is, uh, you know, who are in rugby think it's the number one sport, but it's not. You know, it's 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 light years behind football. Um It's you know, it's played by a, a small section of people, and I think that we need to to break that down and help people understand it and, and bring better kind of better sort of content. Um, and I think you know you said about Eddie Jones and the relationship with the media. I actually think he handles the media really well. Mm. I think he, what you've got to understand with the media is it's a necessary tool. I think it's what helps grow the game. It's important. It can develop your career. It's, it's It should be embraced. But also, you know, remember that you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You're going to get knifed either way. And, you know, you could do what Stuart Lancaster did, which was invite the media in every five minutes, be open and transparent. And they still, you know, still took him down. Or you could do what Eddie does and just says whatever he wants whenever he wants, because he's just giving you guys tidbits and bits and pieces to distract you while he's focusing on the job in hand. <laughs> he manages... He manages the intensity on the squad by what he says. You know, nothing is said um, without kind of a calculated thought. And I think he he does it exactly right. And I think he knows, yes, it makes makes the fall from grace if things were to happen faster. But actually, you you know, you're still going to get fall from grace. You see what happened in 2011 with England, with the media, 2015 with Stuart Lancaster, the media. Uh, You know, it's always going to happen. And I love what Eddie does. I think he sets the blueprint. I think... um, you know, obviously extreme version of that and probably the wrong end of the spectrum is someone like Donald Trump who, who controls the narrative and just pretends that he never said what he said. You can yeah. send him a replay of him saying it and he pretends he never said it. <laughs> Eddie hasn't reached those levels yet, <laughs> but I think it's quite nice that he that he does challenge and call people out. And, and you know, uh, the best example of this is when he said about Jack Knoll, he said Jack Knold, the extra we, you know, he could be playing seven for us. And everyone went completely mad. Every Kino rugby fan was writing on their blogs and social media and the media were going wild. And it was an offhand comment talking about hybrid players. But it was also the perfect thing because while you everyone was sort of fanning around trying to work out, was Eddie talking mm. the truth, he was able to prepare the team properly and then you know, get the best out of them. Yeah, interesting.
3: I mentioned also in the, the idea that you can only play for England if you, if you play here, if you play in the English League, because you played yeah. in France for two years and played for England during that time. I mean, do you, do you understand? I've, I've always thought that was a strange policy.
2: Well, I think actually, look, you know, in this current, you know, uh, sort of situation that's facing the world, I think that might be potentially changed. Now, I think, you know, they're talking about some rugby clubs are under a lot of pressure. I mean, I know a number of clubs were precariously uh, balanced when it came to the, to, to the finances and the books. And I think um, we may unfortunately lose a couple of clubs mm. if, if we don't get crowds back into stadiums. And I think that um, that might change things. I think it's sad that players don't get to explore the world and have to give up playing for England, but, but equally, you know, someone like Eddie needs access to the players needs to, you know, needs to know that when he wants them to play, they can play. And, you know, I had all this written into my contract, but, you know when i was at Stanford say one time they just they just said you can't go back and i and i went back and they just took half my salary for that for that uh, month and just never gave it back and then i like if you want it back you can sue us and i was like well, but it's in the contract and they were like sue us so it's just a bit like the wild west so you sort of can understand why players don't because you want to keep the game excited you know exciting over here but i think actually it does curtail people's ability to, to broaden their horizons you know i played in every league in the world apart from sort of the the pro 14 but at Scotland, Ireland, Wales, it rains all the time there, so I'm not sure I missed out on much.
1: <laughs> I thought it was interesting when you talk about um, players that are um, terrible and sort of nasty on the pitch, but lovely off it. And you mentioned Mike Brown. It's, and you t- talk also about your relationship with guys from other countries that, that were real wind-up merchants on the pitch that obviously you're then thrown into a Lions environment and you're expected to get on and you do you, you talk about Johnny Sexton and Dan Bigger as guys that would get under your skin on a rugby field but were, were lovely fellas when you work together with the Lions
2: yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, someone like Mike Brown's interesting case. You know, I think he he wants an interview with England, and upset the entirety of Wales, which is always a dangerous, <laughs> always a dangerous place to be. You know, because they'd ever they'd ever forget the Welsh. And um, he he sort of, you know, he, because he was obviously wearing his heart on his sleeve. And I think with with, with Mike, he he plays an intensity and almost assumes a, a physical state when he goes on onto the field. But when he's off, it, he's very quiet, unassuming, lovely, caring, down to earth lovely guy and the two don't match up, which is always kind of quite, quite interesting. Um, you know, someone like I interviewed Johnny Sexton for my podcast, the good, the bad, and the rugby last night. And uh, he was, you know, he was saying, you know, when I, when I met him, he was obviously he's abrasive on the field. He's ultra competitive, hugely intense um and he you know that's quite a difficult thing to 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 face you know because you see these guys they want to steal every every minute of every moment they want to they want to get one over on you and that can sometimes spill over and you think to me god this guy is so different from me but you know it's amazing you have a couple of coffees you find out they're exactly like minded you spend all your time laughing and, and and you bond with these and i think my whole career has been littered with people saying that they thought they wanted to knock me out before they met me um, and or didn't like me. And every, every guest we've had on House of Rugby, Alex Payne always asks, sorry, not House of Rugby, on The Good the Bad the Rugby, asks, um, you know, what did you think of Hask? And unanimously, they all say, oh, I didn't think I was going to like him. I thought I was going to have to knock him out. I thought I was going to punch him. We weren't going to get on. And then he says, what happened? He goes, well, we got on like a house on fire. He made me laugh and we were, you know, best of friends as ever we were. So it's kind of quite nice to, to, to break those down. And with the Lions, that's the biggest example of that because you you know, now you play rugby. A lot of the time, you just say hello after, say a quick hello after the game, and then you go back to your um, your club and focus on the next game. With the Lions, you're living with these people that you've been fighting against for Wales, Scotland, and Ireland the entire time, and you suddenly get to know them and see that they are just like you, and they are great people.
1: You talk about the perceptions of you, James, and uh, you obviously did. I'm a celebrity, and reading the book. You spoke to your wife, Clay, when you got back, and you felt that you, they didn't do you any favours in the edit. Quite a lot of stuff that you did there uh, didn't really come across.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, I knew exactly what I was getting into when I when I agreed to do it. I mean, me and live TV was always going to be a huge risk. I don't think it was. You know, it's not. It's not a match made in heaven. Um, I think it ultimately actually became a real, uh, sort of a, an exact replica, uh, representation of my career. You know, I started really well. Apparently people were really loving it. I was, you know, I came across very well. And there was a couple of times where I, you know, I demanded that women go first, you know, and I said look, we've got to stop with all this. Like you go first, you go first, women go first and we'll carry on there. And someone was moaning about something. So I, you know, but they don't appreciate that their moaning affects other people and ha- and, and like in a team environment, I always equate it to what's best for the team and the, the, the audience, but that doesn't necessarily translate so a couple of times I had to correct people or whatever and, and, and you know in a, in a really nice way uh, and that you know in this world we live in now that's bullying that's this that's that because they don't show you the context of what's going on and um, you know when I came out I was you know says Chloe how did it go and she was like look I need to be honest with you two weeks first two weeks are brilliant but you've been labelled a bully by other tabloids everyone's coming after you but then when I when I left, my all my campmates and teammates, they cried, you know, um, and, and were very disappointed about me leaving. And Ant and, and Deck even said they haven't seen someone, they've never seen a reaction to someone leaving like that. And that's kind of been my mm. story of my career, where media hasn't really liked me, the, the fans don't particularly like me, but my teammates and coaches have always been really nice. And that for me was really, was really touching and ultimately saved me because you make a mistake on a reality TV show now, you never work again.
1: Yeah. Finally, you've done some interesting stuff post-retirement. We, last time we spoke, you I think, was uh, talking about MMA. And I think that's a sort of fight on hold, isn't it? You're supposed to fight at Wembley. You've been DJing. You're doing some stuff with Rugby Players Association, their charity as well. So how has retirement been for you? How, how, have, you, how have you coped with that? Has it been a difficult transition after all those years of playing?
2: Yeah, it was difficult and scary at times. I think just because you know you have you don't have a, an, an income, you don't have um, you know guaranteed work. Everything I did was kind of public facing in terms of after dinner DJing, etc. Um, and the MMA stuff came along, and I, I prepared and you know, I trained six days a week um, to to fight on the twelfth of May. I was ready, I was sparring three days a week in the cage, every day wrestling and jiu-jitsu sparring. And then COVID happened, and it's completely changed the landscape. So. I'm not sure what's going to happen now. We're obviously still talking about what, what what's next. Um, like most people, I haven't earned any money during this period of time, so I'm sort of just um, weighing up my options, looking after my body. Unfortunately, lockdown hasn't been great for the, my body. I've spent my time in MRI scanners recently, looking at my ankle and my back and everything else. But I'm I'm hopeful that we can make something uh, something work. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. We've often
1: looked at mm. the nicknames of uh, footballers over the years. <laughs> yeah. One size, we had a whole competition. We did, and uh, they they never ceased. They never ceased to amaze us. Uh, you get you get some incredible nicknames. Uh, Richard Keo uh, is uh, playing I think. MK. through there. No, no, not through there. He's playing at uh, he's playing at MK Don's. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think his uh, nickname is? Have you got any idea? Well, other than that, um, uh, um, according to Russell Martin, the Don's manager, it's kiozi it doesn't work, does it Key Ozy, easy it wasn't that expression
3: wasn't it i mean like, easy Ozy. if you're if you're
1: keo um yeah. there's nothing you can do you can't call him key can you the <laughs> no. o's already there where you'd normally do you know you shorten it you go you call him key you can, would you call him that k okay. like, Kiosi sounds. Like, it sounds like some of that that odd tea that you drink. It sounds like something you bring in and insist that they make for you. But that's a nickname that really doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. Some nicknames just. Uh, sorry, some names yeah, don't they. suit. Don't suit a nickname, do they? And you see, that it touches the bad blood between Luton and Watford uh, that they played at the weekend. Of course, Watford won, mm. but um, they actually boarded up Graham Taylor's statue. So did they think people were... You can't go to the game. I mean, how rabid a Luton fan. How how much would you hate Watford to travel all the way down there when you couldn't get into the match to have a go at Graham Taylor's (laughs) statue? I mean, it did feel a bit
3: belt and braces, but they obviously know what they're doing. Definitely. And I don't know if you saw those photos of uh, Boris uh, Johnson yesterday playing sport. He was playing cricket. Oh, I didn't know. And whenever he's pictured doing sport, he always looks like competitive dad. It's like some kid bowling to so him. He's, like, whacked out the school playground for sex. It's really, really odd. It's just an odd way of... The- playing sport but he does love the publicity photo in that area a bit like the
1: the through you Luke Moore's Mm. been in touch from uh, Football Ram good afternoon Luke he says uh, one that he really enjoyed was uh, the tennis player Vince Spadia who they called Vince ain't a Spadia (laughs) that's fantastic well that's quite good thank you Luke but as I
3: said Kiyosi that is not uh, that is not working for me It's amazing. Trevor Ashby of South Shields has written to both The Star and The Sun for a rare double gets published on the same day. Well done to him. He says, it's clear the new rules in the Premier League have only been brought in for one reason only, to penalise Manchester City. It's outrageous. And the same, really? In, yeah. Just to penalise Manchester so two City. newspapers thought that was worth
1: printing. Wow. Jeff Windish, which is something you are when you're a bit windy. <laughs> yeah, you haven't yeah. really got wind, but you're windish. That's He's from true. Snaresbrook in East London. Oh yeah. And he said football teams should go on strike until the authorities <laughs> oh, yeah. change their pathetic gonna new handball That's Not going to well, work, is it? I guess he might be a Tottenham fan, and he wrote that on Sunday afternoon. He sounded very, and what, he so very upset. And we've talked
3: about over the years how managers sort of, you know, get sacked. They don't do a particular great job and then they get another job yeah, and I have noticed that David Wagner, or Wagner, who you want to pre- has been sacked by Schalke. You may have talked about this yesterday. After his side conceded eleven goals in his first two games this season, you just think to yourself: If I was David Wagner, I'd be thinking, "Perhaps I need another career. Perhaps <laughs> football managing isn't actually for me." Well, I didn't know. And he was terrible mm. at Huddersfield. Let's be honest; he got them promoted. He but made they... a good start, didn't oh, he? God.
1: Sometimes the you circumstances change. They
3: and then if shouted... David Wagner came in in there, Wagner,
1: Wagner. If he sat down opposite us now. Yeah. Right? It would be difficult he, he would for me to there, to his face no, to say not, to him, why I'm don't not, you try something else? That's not what I'm saying. But oh, yeah. he would probably lay down a bunch <laughs> of different reasons why these things happened. And he, you'd come away thinking, you know, I've got that wrong because... No, well, I think excuses. <laughs> you're a very hard man. I am a hard man. but Sometimes, that's the You never hear all the circumstances yeah, of why it goes you know, wrong for someone all got at
3: got You've got to kind of... You make the best of it. Okay. Um, fair I was, right, I was beginning to Thanks. think it didn't exist, but it does. Did the you? Loch Ness shirt finally arrived. Oh, you've got it. you have oh, got your I'm Loch Ness great. shirt. Does it fit you nicely? It fits, it fits me nicely. I'll wear it
1: later in the week. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah,
3: it's You're tremendous. Pleased with
1: that. It took them a while to fulfil the order. <laughs> yes, it did. It was about the first week of lockdown, was it? It's, no, because it was so popular. Yeah, it was. It, was, a shirt, it was, yeah. know, it's such
3: a brilliant shirt with a little, um, you know, Nessie in it. Yeah, that's right. They've been they've been very very big sellers. I had an opportunity yesterday, it was very funny, Ali Ross's column was wonderful this morning, very amusing, and uh, a lot of it was to do with Steph McGovern, and I thought I'd have a look at the show yesterday, because I haven't had a chance to see it, yeah. Honestly. Max in Russian sent me a text last week saying, "Look, they've had no viewers. One day, wow. <laughs> the Daily Mirror published saying that she had no viewers at some point." Is that? But I mean, is that at all possible? Surely the person <laughs> reviewing it, surely Ali. But I think it's if there's so. He says he's on his own. If there's so few people watching something, it doesn't register. And honestly, I watched about three or four minutes yesterday. And went, who looked at this person and thought they could present a chat show? <laughs> I find, I'm fascinated sometimes oh. in broadcasting. I'm, I'm just, Andy, I can't for pass me. judgment. I've not watched well, it. Well, it's maybe nothing. Maybe
1: David Great. Wagner can take over. He's, to, he's, he's tipping. He's time with Dave. <laughs> now, now he's not doing the Schalke That's job. I
3: couldn't talk. <laughs> yes. That'd be fantastic, well, wouldn't yeah, it? You know, probably be good. Yeah, couldn't be worse. Anyway, the uh, his, his unexpected morons in the bagging area tipping point. Uh, mm. This was this is one of the best ones ever. You're on quite rocky ground here, Andy, because uh, you didn't know the answer to one of these a little while ago. No, I know I'm terrible, but yeah. these this one is. Uh, I think I would know this one. The name of which high street coffee chain translate from Italian into English as coast, and it's obviously Costa. But Roger decided the answer was Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> You're under pressure, aren't you? <laughs> You're, un- you are. You're under pressure. And, now, Andy, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, I've got an
1: acronym uh, mm. for you, potentially. Now, they're not happy, the South End fans, what's going on. They're not happy with the owner, Ron Martin. Mm. So they have set up the Ron Martin out. SUFC Protest Group. Now, try and get an acronym out of that. That's quite... Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, well, it's, it's the SUFC that really makes it difficult for you. Or for short. Sure. I mean, it's actually quicker to say the Ron Martin SUFC Protest Group, isn't it, really? Yeah. So you, need a, you need a better one
3: that works with an acronym, uh, acronym folks, definitely. I think he does. And um, there was one of those things in the paper t- uh, the other day. Elvis Presley as a cloud huge... Oh, no, not a cloud. It was a wave. Oh, okay. Huge wave off Seam looks like Elvis well, Presley. He has the
1: quiff. I can see how Elvis, Elvis has that, a... That's not
3: look like Elvis Presley at all. It
1: looks like Jimmy Hill, doesn't it? <laughs> Elvis lot. Presley yeah. has a... a, a yeah. Jimmy Hill has a wave. We'll <laughs> leave it
3: there, Andy. Did you see... Finally, did you see that picture of Gwyneth Paltrow in her birthday suit as she describes it? She's oh, yeah. Stark naked and, uh, mm. you know, she looks good. Of course she does. And uh, it says, uh, thank you all for the birthday wishes and thank you to Goops, insanely amazing brand new body butter for making me think I can still get my kit off. I promise you... Gwyneth, if I smeared my whole body with your brand new goop body butter, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to see me in the nude, you really wouldn't. Well, should we give it a crack? <laughs> no, will get. What a thought! We'll get some in. We'll smear you in it's goop got body to do butter
1: it. it's got and see if you look a million dollars in I the buff wouldn't. in that same pose. Okay, well, look, leave it with us. Okay. I'll, I'll imagine goop body butter and the amount we'd need to smear need quite you a lot. with could do about three or four grand, couldn't we? It's, it's probably true. not cheap, is it? To come by could the bucket, get, could we? Use oil of ole or something, or, wouldn't be or the same. goose fat or something like Never that. All pretty horrible <laughs> thoughts. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. And I know you like a waste of ink somewhere. This is the posh waste of ink. Oh, good, I like one of those. Yeah, yeah. this is from Ron Kirby uh, from Dorchester. Mm-hmm. He says, "Sir," this is in the Telegraph. Oh, yeah, uh, they don't say that in the Star. They sir. No, they <laughs> They go, oi! (laughs) But they say, sir, in the Telegraph. They say, sir, what has happened to the art of conversation? How many letters over the years to the (laughs) Telegraph have started like that? (laughs) Instead of picking up the telephone and having a chat, most people now send even personal messages by email or use social media platforms such as Twitter. Oh, you don't say. (laughs) It's brilliant. Then he goes on. This is the doomsday scenario Mm -hmm. in the eyes of Ron. We are at risk of losing our ability to speak (laughs) if this (laughs) habit is not reversed. It's the kind of... It's the sort of straight to Kindle <laughs> book cr-crust. with a doomsday scenario of the people that, <laughs> that became mute simply because they never spoke <laughs> at all and just texted <laughs> and uh, sent emails to each other. They lost
3: the power mm. of speech. No. There's a book in that for someone. There's a film <laughs> There's a film in that for someone, isn't there? There is. Wastes of ink, though. People are fascinating. Kenneth Clibbery of Wolverhampton. Clibbery? it's a good name. Idea. He wrote to the Sun with this name. one. It, no, no, have you ever com- met a Clibbery? I can't tell, I have. <laughs> Clibbers, he'd be called in the dressing him, wouldn't have. he? Could be Clivebury. Clive like Library. Yeah, it could be. Clive, that's not, Clive Library. Let's <laughs> not, not
1: dwell on too long.
3: it's hey? probably gathered thing. by now. We can't get our next guest <laughs> Okay, And I've used all my material, but this is the last thing we want. This is what he writes. The last thing we want is for Harry and Meghan's antics in the US to mean the Yanks kick them out. Wow. What basis could that happen? Uh, what, She's an American citizen, isn't she? No. can't,
1: can't even, on, kick them in. They're married. They I think, you know, I, I know. I, I've got no. I don't want to I'm not
3: sure about their fly on the wall documentary they're doing for uh, Netflix. Will you be watching, Andy? The yeah. Last Dunce, I'm calling it. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Actually, Thank you. the top of your head. <laughs> well, not bad. And oh, uh, oh, Last well, Dunce. <laughs> Sarah, this is, these are two nice little stories. Yeah. Sarah Lyons, 96, yeah. is the first person in her alley. Is she a bit like Wretch 3-2? <laughs> is that her, her rap name? That's it. She's yeah. only about 12. Yeah. Sarah Lyons, 96, is the yeah. first person in her alley to bowl a Pers- no...
1: First person what?
3: At her bowling alley. Oh, okay, like never said that. You went We're first just... person up alley. <laughs> I thought,
1: I thought no. see, her name was... <laughs> At
3: her alley. At her alley, okay, yeah, fair enough. I, I had to put in bowling because it wasn't in there. They didn't want to say. To bowl a no tap 300... What does that mean? anything? <laughs> no idea. It made a British paper, though. At least nine pins a frame in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Wow. So there's this 96-year-old woman in Pennsylvania bowling away, and then suddenly the next minute they're writing about it in England. So well done to yeah. her. But you can't tell us what she did. Well, she she scored a 300. What it is that? Okay, okay. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I don't know what a no-tap 300 is. Andy, <laughs> have you
1: got about 350 grand line about you got nothing to do No, not really. It. Because <laughs> you could buy, and it's on Rightmove if you want to go and check it out, you could buy the Surrey Stadium, Church Road, CR3, which is currently the home of uh, Whiteleaf FC, Semi-Professional mm. Football Club, and uh, they are, they're looking for a buyer for the ground. Oh, so if you're okay. interested um, and I think the, the idea is you keep the ground and the team keep playing there you've got a little nursery you've got to keep there as well okay. for the local is, kids is there
3: any sort of flats and things there?
1: well I mean I think there's building potential there's potential for student accommodation so I just alert you to that if you've got a spare 350 grand it's, uh, Savills a selling great business
3: to go into the student accommodation business what at it? the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tremendous <laughs> yeah. Make you very popular <laughs>
2: incredibly popular the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport so
1: there we are that was uh, this afternoon show we'll be doing it all again tomorrow we'll have some clips of the midweek tim vickery will join us uh, from uh, rio uh, and lots more besides so thanks for listening you've
2: been listening to the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m on talk sport